Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And a swing and a bouncer. Right side, Chavis has it. He throws the third and he throws it away. It trickles past Hayes into foul territory. Dee's up and headed home. He will score. And Veerling is in to second as the throwing error for the Pirates will gift the Phillies the lead here in the 10th inning. It's 2-1. to one. Send that clip to the Hall of Fame. Thing of beauty. Good morning, everybody. With my pal Jody McDonald, I am Glenn Mack now on a warm, toasty Sunday morning where we celebrate another Phillies win. Jody Mack, a sloppy one, tied after nine for the second straight day. And then the Pirates starts throwing the balls around like a bunch of little leaguers, and the Phillies win 2-1 to one in 10. You take that, right, Joe? You're happy with that. Can I start the show with a request? Uh, sure. Can we get Kyle Quinn to play that again? The the cut? Yeah. Hear it again? There, there's a specific word in there okay. that I want to hear. I didn't know if Scott Fransky used or not, and even listening to it, I'm still not sure. Right, so if, if Kyle could play that again, two two. And a swing and a bouncer. Right side, Chavis has it. He throws to third, and he throws it away. It trickles past Hayes into foul territory. Didi's up and headed home. He will score, and Veerling is in to second. As the throwing error for the Pirates will gift the Phillies the lead here in the 10th inning. It's 2-1. to one. So I'll ask you, Glenn, did he say give the Phillies the lead? No. Or gift the Phillies the lead? Gift. He used gift. the word yes. gift as a verb. And the word is 100% accurate because that's exactly what the Phillies got there. A massive gift. And as you asked me, yeah, did they kind of back into this one last night? Yeah, sure they did. Sometimes the breaks go your way. Sometimes they go against you. Uh, I'm sure you saw the play earlier in the week when uh, uh, Bryson Stott pulled the ball down the first baseline. Yeah. And it had to hit something. It took a right-hand <laughs> turn past the first I don't know. Turn. I don't know how physics work on that particular uh, hit ball, but yes. Holy mackerel. Yeah. I've never seen a ball take a bounce like that Oop. before. So sometimes the bounces go your way, and sometimes they go against you. Last night, the Pirates were more than a bad bounce off a rock or a bottle top or whatever the hell it hit uh, earlier in the week. Uh, yeah, they got a little bit of a gift. Guess what? You take it. You don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Thank you very much. Take the W, move into sole possession of the last playoff uh, spot. Thank you very much. You got it. Uh, And then they gave him another gift because in the bottom of the 10th, the Pirates have their ghost runner on second base, O'Neal Cruz. Good rookie, but not this time. Uh, And he gets picked off. So, as you suggest, a sloppy win is a win. The Phils are a game ahead of the Cardinals now, uh, and they're a game and a half behind the Padres 
for that second wild card spot. They won four games in a row. Jody, baseball fever, catch it. I'll take it. Um, okay. We know the series that they just had against the Cubs. Everyone thought, all right, coming home, the Cubs stink. Now we'll really get some momentum. And they lose three straight games. And all of the games were close. All the games could have gone either way. Guess what? They all went against the Phillies. These three games in Pittsburgh, an 8 nothing game that becomes 8-7, and two extra inning games. They couldn't be any closer when, when you look at it after all 27 or 27-plus outs have been registered. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how you got there. Give me the end result. Was it a W or an L? They didn't get any Ws against the Cubs. They've now turned around and done exactly what they needed to do. A well below 500 team. You got to just find ways to win the games, and the Phillies have done that in the first three games in this series and go for a sweep today. Okay, so some some things that actually did impress. It was Ranger Suarez night, and the uh, man, I thought uh, after three innings that lefty might toss a no hitter. Thirty eight pitches in the first three innings, thirty of them strikes, um, no hits, no walks. It didn't happen. Bottom of the fourth, a hit and a walk, but he kept him from scoring. I think he had a batter too. So he goes six. Jody allows three runs, one walk, no runs, uh, and they take him out after a, a whopping eighty four pitches. Now they won the game. This is baseball. I know he came off the IL two weeks ago. But, boy, did they really need to take him off out after 84 pitches? He's he's just been great. Go. I know what you're going to say, so go ahead and say what you're going to say. I know uh-huh. what you're going to say. Um, in 2022, That's your answer is yes. Yes. In, 2020, in uh, 2002, maybe not. In yeah. uh, 1982, definitely not. But the game is what it is today, Glenn. I know. Still drives me crazy. The guy's doing so well. I'm enjoying watching him pitch. And it's like, nah, we're gonna take him out. We're gonna go to the bullpen. But yes, this is this is this is what the game is, and and I know that. All right, now stop me if you've heard this one before, Jody Mack. But Nick Castellanos goes over four, strikes out in the first with the bases loaded, grounds out in the third with two runners on, strikes out again in the eighth with a runner on first. That's six six base runners he left. He is now the five hole hitter. Do you, A, Jody, leave him alone, B, move him down in the lineup, or C, say, uh, let's sit a spell? He was the three. Now he's the five. You're suggesting make him the seven. Uh, you I'm can only go down. Make him the bench. <laughs> you can only go down so far in the lineup, and then you're right. The other alternative is, uh, Nick, yeah, we got to do something else here for at least a period of time. Uh, I I love the fact that we get a chance to talk to as uh, many as people as we do on the weekends. I do it on Monday and Tuesday nights here on WIP, and people get annoyed real fast, and I get that. They got annoyed real fast at Alex Bohm, and we're ready to. You remember in spring training when uh, Bryson Stott was going to be the starting third baseman? Alex Bohm was going to start the year at Triple A. Yeah, uh, yeah. God sent him to the Iron Pigs. Uh, Alex Bohm has been their best offensive player for the entire month of July, as a matter of fact. And another guy who falls into that category is Corey Kniebel. Oh, I got it. What a bum this guy is. How did we make him our highest paid reliever? Get him the hell out of here. They wanted him designated for assignment. Oh, by the way, he pitched two shutout innings and has really turned it around these last five or six weeks. And his ERA is now below three. Uh, So, yes, uh, people are ready to pull the plug early. I can't say I blame him about Castellanos, but four four more years, four more years and $80 million, G-Mac. Joe, I'm not talking about, you know, give him the DFA and stick him on an Amtrak. I'm talking about you're really in a bad slump, okay? They've tried to let him fight his way out of the slump. 
it would not be the first time in sports where they say, and I don't always believe it, but it's what they say, we're going to try to take the pressure off him for a few days and let him watch the game. That's all I'm saying. I understand, and, and it's probably something that Rob Thompson is considering, but here's the other thing you must also consider. Glenn Mack now? More yeah. O'Double? You're in? No. <laughs> Veerling. Give me Veerling. Oh, oh, okay, if Veerling moves to right to take over for yeah. Castellanos, yeah. guess who's going into center field, G-Mac? Yeah. Wait, where's Moniac these days? <laughs> you know what? You're right. I didn't think. God, that's part Jody, of the problem. Well, here's the answer, Jody. I've got the answer. The answer is, as you and I sit here today, we are 56 hours away from the trade deadline. We've said, and I want to talk about it. They made a trade yesterday. We'll get to it in a second. Um, actually, let's talk about that trade first, and then we'll get into what else they could do. Okay. After the game, they send down Johan Camargo to Lehigh Valley and announce that they have acquired Soto. So oh, no, Sosa. I'm sorry. You know what? I heard, I heard, I heard the trade. And I literally, I like, for, I saw the S.O. And I was like, oh, my God, Soto, for a fraction of a second. Watch Soto. There's, you know that there's a famous story that Charles Barkley tells um, that I don't know if it's true or if he's just pulling our legs. But when he was on the Sixers and they traded for Charles Shackleford. Oh, Shaq, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And oh, the GM, wait, Barkley's home sleeping, and the GM wakes him up. I forget who the GM was at the time. But he wakes him up. It wasn't Lineham. Um, and he says, uh, Charles, uh, we got Shaq. Or at least Charles hears, we got Shaq. And Charles is jumping up and down and dancing like, oh, my God, we're going we're to win it. And the GM says, like, you understand I'm talking about Charles Shackelford, right? Not Shaquille O'Neal. So for a brief moment yesterday, I thought Soto. But no, Jody, it is Edmundo Sosa, he of a 189 batting average and 515 OPS and apparently a, a tremendous glove. I don't know him. I know as a rookie, his stats were better. Last year as a rookie, he had 271. That's fine. The OPS of uh, 731. So maybe he's hoping he's going to do it. Other than that, explain to me why you, you add a guy who's hitting 189. The only question I have for Charles, other than uh, live-related, that he's sticking with the NBA and not going to live golf, is yes, thank who he actually had more disdain for. Um, Armin Gilliam or Charles Shackelford. He never really liked <laughs> he, either one of those two guys that he shared a front yeah, line with here yeah, in yeah, Philadelphia. I didn't like him at all. Yeah. Uh, no, not a little bit. Um, I, I, I don't get it. It doesn't real. Uh, you talk about moving the needle is a phrase that we probably use too much these days. Edmundo Sosa does not move the needle an inch. Mm -mm. It doesn't really add up unless there's another deal yet to come that I don't see how Edmundo Sosa is going to affect that deal for the Phillies to get better in an area of need. They've got enough marginal middle infielders, one of which is Stott, who you're hoping is going to develop into something more than that. You got Segura coming back within days, who you're going to have to find a way to get into the lineup. Other than Jojo Romero hasn't quite lived up to what they may have thought of as an organization. They just think he's never going to be anywhere. Here's my uh, – you'll remember this, Mac, because, you know, you and I have done some shows together over the years. One or two. I'll give you my uh, best – uh, Yes. I'll give you my best link from the Mod Squad imitation. <laughs> the Amando Sosa trade. Eh. Oh, I remember Link used to say, solid. Solid. 
Uh, but not in this case. It is. It's a. It's a meh. It's a heh. It's yeah. a butt. So you got and you mentioned him. Um, when Segura comes back, you got to clear a roster spot. So you got Segura, Stott, Didi, Bohm at third. Uh, you still have Yairo Munez on the roster, and now Sosa. Teams don't carry that many infielders. Something's got to go. Is it Jody precursor? I hope so, but I surely don't know so. Uh, again, the needle. So, if you saw, if you no saw so? it move, if you saw the the needle move, oh, it has since stopped. It moved momentarily <laughs> and then came back to rest rather quickly. Yeah, I've so had, I, I've had that problem in my old age. Oh, so I've done. Uh, don't I got no idea what Dombrowski's up to? But this to me doesn't even factor in. I'm glad I will say this that they kept Munoz. Um, and again, guys who don't move the needle, Munoz or Camargo. Um, I, when Munoz plays, he just seems to bring in energy. Mm-hmm. That the overall energy of the team changes. I would not say that about Camargo, and neither one of them are that overall good that you say, wow, they're going to make a difference. So I'm glad at least momentarily uh, Munoz is here. But if you ask me what I think they're going to do when Segura gets activated, it's going to be sent out Yair Munoz again. So uh, even for this short period of time, I'm not sure what Dombrowski's up to. Yeah, okay. So – the trade deadline is two days away. I screwed up my math yesterday. It's uh, Tuesday night, 6 p.m. I think it's Tuesday. four. It was four? Okay, yeah. yesterday I was told six. Fitz, do me a favor. I've been wrong on this already. See if I'm wrong again. Anyway. Tuesday at four, I'm pretty sure. Tuesday at four. Okay. Pretty quiet. Um, the big trade was Luis Castillo from the Reds to the Mariners for a, a bucket of prospects. Um, and that was kind of two nights ago. I guess they wrapped it up yesterday. It was two nights ago. It kind of came out. Other than that, not much going on. I will just tell you, Jody, what the Phillies did. Remember that great run the Phillies had, of course, back uh, more than a decade ago. Um, on those those years, 2009, and I think it was on this day. It might have been yesterday. but it, uh, it, I, I always recall Ruben would make the deals two days before the deadline. Right, the 29th. He mentioned it on yeah. the broadcast the other Tuesday day. Tuesday at That's, 6. Okay. Is it Tuesday 6? Six? Six. Okay, yeah. then I'm wrong. I apologize. That's all right. You were thinking uh, uh, mountain time. Okay. Uh, it was always the 29th, which I guess was two days ago. But Ruben, in 2009, got Cliff Lee from Cleveland. Pretty good. Yep. 2010, Roy Oswalt from Houston. Yep. 2011, Hunter Pence from Houston. Not as dramatic, but it helped him. So we got a lot of rumors, Jody. I'm curious where they are now, which is in that third wild card spot, pushing up toward um, San Diego, game ahead of the Cardinals. I guess the Giants are still hanging around, right? Those those be the teams you're kind of dealing with here. How committed, Jody Mack, should Dave Dombrowski be to this year's team? Which I guess the question is, who would you not trade among those top prospects for somebody who can help you now? I'm not talking a rental player because you're, you're clearly not going to trade a good prospect for a rental player, but for a guy who you would have control for this year, next year, maybe the year after. And Dave Dombrowski did come out and directly say that they're not going to be a major player for the top rental players. They're just not going to do that. Last year you saw he did. He got Gibson, a guy who has been part of the rotation this year, so it was going to be a two-year plan, and he's trying to do exactly the same again this year. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned him here with you last week. I know I did on my show uh, on Monday or Tuesday night. 
uh, I got two names I'm going to give you, Mac. One is a rental, but he's not going to cost a whole hell of a lot. Uh, and the other is a uh, guy who's got uh, two years to run on his contract after this one. But both come with major uh, qualifications. The first one is Madison Bumgarner of the Arizona. I heard you say that, and I love that idea. You, well, you go ahead, but I will yeah. tell you, it has my endorsement before you even get into the details. And I'm glad to hear that, and I do mean what I say, but there is a major qualifier. Madison Bumgarner is going to have to want to come here. Um, he was a free agent the same year. Wheeler was available. I was perfectly fine if the Phillies signed either of those two guys. They got Wheeler. Bumgarner went to Arizona because he's a horse guy, and he's got his own ranch out there in Arizona. He rides every day. He considers himself a bit of a cowboy and that's why he signed there where's he I, from is he from out there no you know what he, he's from you know he's from mac north Where? carolina oh. which philadelphia is a hell of a lot closer, closer to north carolina than san francisco or arizona are where yeah. he spent his entire career i don't know if he has any desire to come back to the east coast or not uh, I would want an, a, at least a phone conversation, if not a face to face sit down, if I'm Dombrowski. I need to know he's he's buying in, that he wants to get back to the postseason. Glennie's one of the best postseason pitchers oh. in the history ever. of baseball. At, right, not correct. the last 10 years, 20 years, the, ever one ever. of the best postseason and, pitchers. And in more than one postseason. It wasn't just like a fluke. Jody, you, right. could, take him to the, you could take him to see the horses. I'll take him to, yeah, oh, if nice. he wants to go up to parks anytime, Delaware Park, I'll drive <laughs> him all over the place. Nice. Yeah, wherever he Delaware, wants to go, yeah. he and I can go. There That's go. not a problem, but I all think right. he actually I think he actually kind of likes riding them himself rather oh, than oh, betting them betting on him like me. He likes riding them. Oh, yeah, well, he does, I, don't know. I guess. I don't know so. if you can help him there. Uh, but he's he wouldn't cost you the – it all depends on what uh, John Middleton wants to do because – $21 million this year, so he's got whatever's left on his contract. 21 next year, and then a uh, $12 million deal on the last year's contract comes back down a little bit. He's not pitching to that, those numbers. He's not earning his salary. He's having an okay year, not a $20 million-plus pitcher year. So you should be able to get him if you just tell Arizona you'll take all the money. You should be able to get him for a song, mm -hmm. but... Does he want to come here? If right. he doesn't, thank you, no, pass. Just move on to the next guy on your okay. list because I don't want him if he doesn't I, want I to do be love here that be name. dedicated. I heard you say it, and I, it has my endorsement. Who's your second? If the Boston Red Sox are being real with themselves, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. And They've I read last backwards. night that they are now in seller's mode. Right. Yeah. Um, and, again, comes with a qualifier. Michael Walker has pitched pretty well for them. He uh -huh. was Damn good with the Cardinals. He was solid with the Mets. Uh, he went to uh, the, the Red Sox this year. He was pitching well before he got hurt. He is coming back off the IL. He's supposed to be able to pitch by the first week of August, which is now, what, 48 hours away. Um, so I need to know what the medicals are and what the issue was and can you count on him to make eight, nine, ten starts during the last two months of the season. If he is... I'd give up a solid prospect. You know who I'd give up? That Edmund Sosa. If uh, the oh, Red Sox oh, want him, yeah. I'll turn around and flip him. They yeah, got uh, Trevor Story broke a bone in his uh, uh, wrist last night. They're yeah. oh, starting right? second baseman, yes. Right. So if they need a middle infielder, if they think Yairo is that much better, I'll give him Yairo. Let him pick. Who do you want, Edmundo or uh, Yairo? F feel free to select your middle <laughs> infielder, and we'll take Michael so Waka. So dumping Waka. Um, there was one other name I was hoping you were going to mention because you, uh, having grown up a Mets fan, 
We certainly know what this guy's up to. He's no longer on the Mets, but he appears healthy, and I hear he's on the market. Thor. Yeah, Syndergaard is back, and he's pitched solid baseball this year, overpaid because he got paid on the come. Um, When he was great. Right, and the Angels, well, he's been great, but he's also been hurt. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Not great when he doesn't pitch. No, uh, he's pitched. Listen, before this year, between 2020, 20, well, 2020 was the, was the COVID year. But, yeah, he pitched two innings in 2021, nothing in 2020, 80 innings this year, and he's doing, you know, decently, doing well. Right. Um, again, it all depends on the price, uh, and I don't think the Angels can ask for a lot uh, because – uh, he is he is the pure rental. See, here's the problem. Dombrowski kind of spoke out against rentals. And I know Waka's a rental and uh, Syndergaard the rental because he signed just a one-year deal. Uh, would would have interest in him. He doesn't throw as hard as he did when he was a Mets. He was a 9,900 guy. Now he's a 93, 94 guy. Um, but he's he's solid, and I would certainly have interest if the price were right. Yeah, okay. Well, those are some names, and we'll see what happens. Uh, who would you not trade? Anybody? Is it is like Painter, Abel, are you they off the table for the Jody yeah. Mack team? They are. Th- those are the two. Okay. That's it. And that's where the line is drawn. Yeah, those are it. the two guys. Ohapi is having a really nice year, but they've still got years locked into Rio Muto, and Marchand looks like he can be a, a backup. Shoot Stubbs might be the backup here for the next couple of years with the way he's playing. Um, so any of the other top prospects, I would be willing to move. Um, if there was an outfielder that was a stone-cold given to be a Philly starting outfielder at some point, I would say, no, you shouldn't trade him either. I don't think they have that guy. Mm-hmm. So it's the two starting pitchers because, uh, yeah, you're going to blink, and the uh, Phillies are going Need, need them both in their rotation, if not next year, the year after. So I wouldn't give up on either of those two guys. I agree. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. Hey, uh, prize today for the best caller of the day, $50 gift card to Shy Vintage Sports, um, where there is a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or visit them at shibesports.com. Coming up in the next segment, we will get into these. Want to grab some calls early uh, today. We're going right up to Phillies. Pirates, the closer of the series, we will be um, doing leading off at 1230. By the way, two great interviews today. Don't go anywhere because Jody Mack and I have Brian Baldinger at 11, and Jody will kind of run through the NFC contenders, see what Baldy thinks about that. And then at noon, the coach, Dick Vermeil. Dick gets into the Pro Football Hall of Fame next Saturday. Uh, going out to Canton this week. Uh, I know Ray's going to go with him. His friends are going to go with him. He's going to be there next Saturday. Jody, emotion's going to flow, right? We know that? I think that's a foregone conclusion, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I think he'll tell us that. <laughs> yeah, I do too. Yeah, and it's great. So we have the coach uh, coming up at noon, but we want to hear from you. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we will get into the Eagles. And, Jody, I hope I don't start a civil war on this station with what I'm going to say when we come back, which is I don't particularly worry about the stats of Jalen Hurts at practice. I'll see how you feel. Don't 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 answer yet. I'll see how you feel and see how our callers feel. 215-592-9494. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. In this city, it feels like every year the media thinks that we're really good, we end up being And every year the media thinks we're going to we end up being really good. So um, I prefer not to listen to what everybody thinks we look like on paper. 
That is Eagle Center Jason Kelsey, the most popular man in the Delaware Valley. Uh, and by the way, I think, Jody, the word that was taken out was mediocre. I think that's the word. Really? That yeah, I, I thought it was, was something else. Oh, maybe. A little cynical by the way, guy that I am. I was listening to Channel 6 News the other night, and they ran this clip, and they forgot the cut. And they didn't word. beep it? Really? They, they beeped the first one and not the second one. Oh. Yeah. It's like somebody fell asleep. Anyway. At the wheel. Yikes. Uh, but that is him, and I get it. And, you know, I remember going into 2017, nobody thought they were going to be good. And then going into 2018, of course, everybody after the Super Bowl win, everybody thought they would be good. But there you go. And and he makes a point, and I think it's kind of right. And my, the point he makes, and I'll see if you agree with it, is I think I used to say this with you back when we worked together oh, 20-something years ago. Nobody knows nothing. Um, well, here's what's not true. We're going to have Brian Baldinger on at 11. He knows a lot. Um, but generally, generally, when we're looking and making NFL predictions at this time of the year, you're just throwing a dart in the dark because you don't know who's going to get hurt and you don't know who's going to bust out. And the Eagles have these rookies. And I don't know. Maybe you disagree with me, but I think it's um, I think I agree with Jason Kelsey. I'll just put it that way. I think Jason is guilty of what most Philadelphia Eagle fans do and are, and that's overstating it. Uh, every time the Eagles media think the Eagles are going to be good, they stink, and every time they think they stink, they no, that's not the case. Sometimes the media gets it right, both ends, both good and bad. Sometimes they're woefully off. That, that, that's where your we don't really know comes in. Yeah, it can work either way. I think most times people are at least in the neighborhood and or close. I think in this town uh, is kind of different in that those people that get to those diametrically opposite ends go way too far. Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts is a joke. You, can't, it, 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 you know the answer is somewhere in the middle, but people love to get to one of the ends here yeah. in Philadelphia, okay. either blatantly overly optimistic or Negadelphia to the nth degree. And by the way, I, I imagine, I've lived in other markets, and I think that's not just unique to Philadelphia, but this is where we are, and this is what we care yeah, about. Yeah, but it's and more it's more so here than a it lot of other markets. It may be. We are an emotional fan base. That's yes. true. Um, and I don't want to start a spat with my friend, WIP's Elliot Shore Parks, who does a fine job. But I think we're all making too much out of practice. I think we watch it, and I'm not saying we don't know what we're seeing. And listen, Elliot's down there all the time. I really respect that. I respect the acumen of the people who are watching it. But after two or three days, I think everyone is kind of jumping to conclusions. Um, Jody, I don't care how Jalen Hurts looks the first two days of practice. It's July. They're running some of those plays out there for the first time ever. They're experimenting. They're trying stuff. They're having him work on his weaknesses. Uh, they're, you know, doing something that's geared toward the defense. There's a reason that they practice for six weeks. It's so that they're better than they are now, including Jalen Hurts. And I understand he has no track record, Hurts. I understand that he has a lot to prove and that it's fair to think that a large portion of every fan's hope that the Eagles succeed this year rests on Hertz improvement from what we all saw last year. But I also don't think you can really gauge it while it's still July. There's still six weeks to go. Whether whether he goes 12 for 16 in practice with two touchdowns or 8 for 16 with two interceptions, 
I just don't believe we're going to be remembering that on September 11th when they when they play Detroit. So my message, Jody, is that everybody should chillax. All right, let me, since you took a little bit of a shot at Elliot keeping No, I really don't want to take a shot at Elliot. I, I, I know I, you don't, but, I, but to not, make your I'm point, you have to at to least that. point it out. Let me apologize to Elliot because no. I think I got him in trouble the other day. No, did you? Yes, no, let me apologize. Oh, my. I, I was doing the midday with uh, Joe DeCamera because uh, Richie was I, I heard out. about an hour. That was a very good show. Yes, thank you. Um, but we had Elliot on, and I asked him about how the Eagles' number one running back uh, did catching the ball out of the backfield because oh. that has been an issue with Miles Sanders. And Elliot noted that Miles Sanders ran with the twos that day, that he was not the number one running back, and that's how I categorized him. And Elliot rightfully pointed out that last year, Miles Sanders never ran with the twos. He ran with the ones every single preseason practice, and it was fairly notable that by the third practice, depending on what is or isn't a practice, depending on how little they do or don't do, but he was already taking second-team reps. Well, then yesterday, people asked Miles about it, and he got kind of huffy about yeah. it. I, I'm going to get my respect I deserve. Don't yeah. be writing stories about me being the number two back. Well, Elliot was right. If it had never happened once last year, it was of note when I asked him that. And I didn't even know I was asking him that. I was just asking about Miles <laughs> catching the ball out of the backfield. So uh, I kind of got Elliot in trouble the other day. So uh, I, if, if uh, you, I feel I need to apologize to Elliot. So between the two of us, we should be good with Elliot. I'm not. I'm yeah. Okay. And I and I get that. And, and Sanders de- is definitely coming in with a chip on his shoulder. And I think it's because after his rookie season. I think most of us, I certainly thought, this guy's going to be really good. This guy's going to be a special player. He was excellent as a rookie. Since his rookie season, he's kind of flattened. Uh, some of that may be system. Some of that may be, listen, he still rushes. I think his career, he's rushed for 5.1 yards a carry, which is very good. He, yep. He's a breakaway runner. His pass receiving, as you mentioned, has declined. Um, he's not always a dependable blocker. And this being his fourth year, this is the year to me that Miles Sanders either, you know, you prove it or you don't. Um, they'll use Gainwell. They'll use Boston Scott. But I think Sanders is – he's poised. I mean, it's there for him to be excellent and, and really kind of take it. He hasn't. If he's got that chip on his shoulder, whether it's against Elliott or the media or, the, you know, the world around him, I'm – I'm good with that. Actually. Yeah, feel free to run with that. Uh, pardon the pun, uh, Miles. Uh, run with it all the way to uh, a big year and a better size contract. Now he's not going to hit uh, mega millions coming off uh, this Another season. Another one point two bill. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I'm going to uh, absolutely guarantee that his contract comes in below that next year, wherever it is, Philadelphia here or anywhere else. Um, but, yeah, you're going to help decide how much that next contract is going to be, Miles, by how good you play this year. And for him, a key Mac, he's got to be able to stay on the field. Last year, playing well, 5.5 yards per carry, getting the job done. Oops, here he goes, down with an injury. And Boston Scott and Jordan Howard step in, and the Eagles' running game doesn't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. They're as good as they are with without Miles Sanders. So, yes, uh, a key ability of Miles Sanders this year will be his availability. He has to stay available all 17 games. So I agree with all that. And my, the, just to finish my other point, um, I, I, I listen to the station, and I understand how fans like, oh, no, Jalen Hurst threw two interceptions. Like He's going to be a bust. And you listen to the station, Jody, you hear people mm-hmm. say that. 
part of the problem is that fans don't get to go to the practices. It's the scrimmage game. They don't see anything. They're not going to see them in preseason games at all. They don't get to watch the joint scrimmages. So the first time fans are going to see Jalen Hurts, all the others, but Hurts particularly, is when he comes out against Detroit on September 11th. And the last thing those fans saw was the total disaster against the Bucks in the playoffs. So they need, they're looking for affirmation that he's going to be better. I don't know if he is. I just don't. But I think that whatever has happened at the NovaCare practice field over the last couple of days is not going to provide the answer. Basically, I agree with you that right. too much is made of it. Now, I will say this. In part, the Eagles have to uh, – they made their bed. They got to sleep with it in it because they are practicing less than certainly the old-school Eagle teams did, but even more importantly than other teams in the NFL are these days. They yep. are really taking this stay healthy uh, to an nth degree by not running that many drills. So the few that they do run are going to get overstated and overanalyzed. And when Jalen Hurts has a bad day throwing the football, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Uh, is it overstated? Sure. Will people make too much out of it? You bet. But the Eagles do bring this on themselves a little bit with the way that they've decided to prep for this season. I hear that. Uh, we have a caller who wants to uh, wants to say hi to you, Eleanor in West Philly. You're on with Jody and Glenn. Hey, Eleanor. Hi. How are you doing? Good. Um, first of all, yesterday uh, when you were welcoming Mike, that was a great show. Thank you. And uh, you had several callers that said they like Sunday morning and Saturday morning because that's where they get good information, good facts. We learn things. And I feel the same way. I was so glad I heard them say that because I feel the same way about your attended one show. But I feel the same way about Jody's nighttime show. I always feel I get a lot of good information from Jody. So your two choices are excellent. So that's to Thank you. you. I'm delighted and by it. I, I'm, I love working with Jody. I always have. I said the other day, and Jody, I hope this sounds right to you, Working with you to me is like an old pair of slippers. It's just really comfortable, and I and I enjoy yeah. it. And Mike is a new guy and interesting, and so for, to and me, it's right it, in. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And I have and and just to, to get right to Jody's one of Jody's strengths is that he has his ear to the ground always. He knows things and uh, kind of before the rest of us really know. So I have a question, Jody. Okay. And then I and then I have a request to you, sure. Jody. The question is. What is this about Otani saying that the Mets is his first choice if he leaves the Angels? Yeah, I, I saw that, and I was kind of surprised by it. Because remember, we're only a couple of years removed from Otani being a free agent coming over from Japan, and he could have signed anywhere he wanted. Mm -hmm. And I had heard that it was going to be San Diego because it's the closest going back to Japan. Ended up being the Angels, which is not that far from San Diego anyway. Um, but he chose the West Coast, and now all of a sudden he wants to become an East Coast guy? That does surprise me. Now, I if you're asking me, do I think Otani will be traded by Tuesday? The answer is no. And I know he just uh, became available. The Angels just admitted they will uh, take calls on Otani. I don't think they can possibly. What are they going to do? No, Drop the down Mets to can't. quadruple A? No, the Mets can't do it because the Mets are in. The Mets are going to make the playoffs, and so Otani's going to take your two best players, right? Otani is 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 a great pitcher, is an all star pitcher and an all star outfielder or hitter anyway, and so the Mets aren't 
going to, you gotta, I mean, well, I'm sorry, I'm kind of fumping around here. Do you think the Angels are going to want established players, or do you think the Angels are going to want prospects? And who's got enough prospects to get that guy? Mm, I think the Angels, if they do, well, as I said, I don't think they're trading him. I, I, I would bet good money against. I certainly believe there's a better chance Soto is dealt than Otani is dealt because Washington is in complete and utter rebuild mode, so they know they stink now, and they'll stink even worse when they trade Otani. The Angels still, with Mike Trout, believe they're in the mix. Now, Trout getting hurt could actually change the dynamic with his bad back. I just don't think Otani's going to be moved. The answer to your question, Glenn, is I don't think anybody's going to uh, be able to come up with the kind of package yeah, that either. the Angels are going to say yes I to. I don't either. And, you know, that franchise, man, they just wasted so much. They wasted Otani and, and Trout. Trout now hurt with the back thing, which is very concerning. You had two of the best, most exciting players in baseball together for several years, and you couldn't even finish 500. That's yeah, pretty they terrible. never make the playoffs. It's yeah. ridiculous. 215-592-9494, best caller of the day, gets a $50 Scheib gift card. Jody, coming up, the um, Major League Baseball uh, Hall of Fame ballot came out this week, and my response is yawn. I'll see if you think <laughs> any of these guys should make the Hall of Fame, and maybe if it impacts some of the Phillies who've been on the ballot. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now, Sunday morning on 94 WIP. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right, then. That's more cursing than Jason Kelsey did. Got, uh, got all the beeps in the right places, though, Mac. <laughs> At least we did. We do better covering ourselves than uh, Channel 6, I guess. Uh, oof, that was, a, that was a thing. Anyway, he's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now. 215-592-9494. Brian Baldinger at 11. Coach Dick Vermeil at noon. Jody, earlier this week, the ballot came out for the baseball writers, uh, the um, uh, Baseball Hall of Fame. And um, just so that people know that there's no confusion, it's it's not like the Pro Football Hall of Fame where guys kind of get nominated and they go from semifinalist to finalist to whatever. It's basically, if you've played 10 years in the league, you're on the ballot. That's right. it. It's automatic. So there are names on here that some of you say, like, why is R.A. Dickey on the Hall of Fame ballot? I want to Cy Young, Mac, man. He did, and he beat the Phillies all the damn time. He used to beat the Phillies regularly. Okay. Him aside, Jody, I'm looking at the names this year, and I don't know that any of them get in. Um, I'll just give you the, the top guy. Carlos Beltran. Well, let me ask you about Carlos Beltran because he's, he's got some really good numbers. He, he hit 435 Major League home runs, stole 312 bases. Um, you know, he was a very good player for a long time. I don't know that he's Hall of Fame worthy, and I will ask you, does the Astros sign stealing scandal hurt his chances if he even had chances? Yes. The first answer to your last question was yes, it hurts his chances. Uh, I would have called him a borderline guy. Serious consideration, not easily dismissive like R.A. Dickey or Aaron Hill or uh, Joaquin Benoit or some of the names that are on this list here that I do not do not believe will be on it for a second year. I do believe Carlos Beltran will be, um, but yeah, I do think the uh, cheating scandal because he played a pretty damn big part in it. We've seen that uh, the COVID era, the COVID era, excuse me, the steroid era has cost uh, Roger Clements and uh, Barry Bonds. Uh, this is a different type of cheating, but I think it will work against Beltran, yes. All right, so I don't want to go over all the rest of the names, but there's really nobody on that. I mean, Francisco Rodriguez, K-Rod, maybe. I know he's like top five in saves, but I'm not putting every decent close. He, he wasn't a great closer for a long time. I, I wouldn't consider him. Uh, is there anybody among the new guys that you would say, oh, he belongs? In a word, No. Okay. Uh, I'm taking an offer. And of the 26 new players, and this varies from year to year. Sometimes you have a year where a whole bunch of guys got 10 years in and retired in the same offseason. Sometimes it's much less than that. 26 is actually a pretty damn big number. Oh, I think 20 out of 26 will never see a second year on the battle. Agreed. On the ballot. There's Agreed. a whole bunch of guys. Enjoy your year on the ballot. Thank you for participating. Several former Phillies on there. Jason Worth, Chooch. I hope Chooch just gets one vote just for a motion. Um, Joe Blanton, okay? None of whom will appear on there. Well, I don't know. Worth get a couple of votes? Mm, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think he's got an outside shot to get a second year on the ballot or okay. a third or fourth. But he's, he's not a Hall of Famer. That's for damn sure. No, 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 um, no. But could he hang around and uh, get enough votes to uh, maybe have a second year? Possibly. 
So the question is, of the guys who didn't make it in previous years, now that others have been voted in, they may have more of a shot. I don't want to debate how people vote. You know, they get 10 names and sometimes, like, why would guys vote for a guy one year and not another? But it happens. The biggest one, former Philly Scott Rowland, who got 63% last year. I'm guessing he gets in, Jody. I don't know that I consider him a Hall of Famer, but, I mean, I can't really argue against it. Here's to what, me, he's borderline. Sure, go for it. Here's what surprises me with the results from the last couple of years and most importantly last year. I think of Jimmy Rollins mm-hmm. as more of a Hall of Famer than Scott Rowland. I think they're both borderline guys. I don't think either one is a slam dunk that, oh, you got to get in immediately. Of course he's a Hall of Famer. And I don't think either one is like Carlos Ruiz where you say, hope he gets a vote or two just so he can say he got a vote or two, but you know he's coming off. Though They, they are where they are and they belong where they are. But if you go by the voting, Roland's over 60%. Jimmy got less than 10 last yeah, year. Yeah, I was surprised it was that low. Again, I don't know that I think Jimmy Rollins is a Hall of Famer, so the answer should be none. But 9%, when you consider the other guys up there, Omar Vizquel got 24%. I mean, Jimmy Rollins should be getting more than 9%. I, I was very disappointed, surprised and disappointed by the amount of votes that Jimmy got last year. Now, the key is you got to stay on the ballot because we have seen enough. Scott Rollins, first year, I could go back and look it up. I don't know what it is, but sure as hell wasn't 60%. He has made a nice little increase every single year and is now the guy who got the most votes who didn't get in last year. So that gives him a chance to actually uh, I'll tell you, I, I just looked it up. He got 10.2% in his first year, which he is was 10.2 and Jimmy was nine point something, 9.4. So, okay. yeah, so, so it's that the same tells you Jimmy's Jimmy's not out of the out of the woods yet just because yeah. he had a bad first year. And there's some silly writers that still to this day say, I'm not voting for a guy first time in because uh, these all time great players didn't get in on the first ballot. And I can't take the chance that this player is going to get in as a first time, which is stupid and ridiculous. But we don't have enough time to discuss all that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping Jimmy's number goes up considerably this year. The other okay, um, here's the, here are the top guys: uh, Roland, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner. I, I think I'd vote for Billy Wagner. Uh, Andrew Jones, Gary Sheffield, Alex Rodriguez, and in his last ballot, Jeff Kent. So he'll get some just because it's his last time around. How many of those guys you vote for? One. Uh, which one? Take a guess. Wagner. No. A Rod. No. Okay. Well, we only got a few to go. Yeah. Roland? Andrew Jones. Oh, Andrew Jones. Okay. Okay. He he is as good a center fielder as I've ever seen. And I'm old enough to remember the Paul Blairs of the world who were just phenomenal center fielders. Um, Edmund, any guy you want to name, uh, Devo White, right? Uh, I think he's as good, if not better, than anyone I've ever seen. Now, Scott Rowland is also a phenomenal fielding third baseman uh, 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 in a whole case of gold gloves that he's got on a wall somewhere in his house, I'm sure. Um, but he, I can't put him in the category with Brooks Robinson and and even Mike Schmidt here in Philadelphia. A tremendous fielding third baseman, not in the conversation of greatest of all time. I put Andrew Jones in the conversation of greatest center fielders of all time defensively. Okay. Um, The other name that is always interesting to me, because, oh gosh, when you and I used to do the show together, we had one guy in particular who used to call, you know, Bobby Abreu was a Hall of Fame player. Bobby Abreu is going in the Hall of Fame. 
Look at it, all the walks, all the triples. He's the only guy with 20, 20, 100, 100. Bobby Abreu got 8.6%. Now, I was never Bobby Abreu's biggest fan. No, you weren't. Even I find that a little low, <laughs> to be honest with you. I thought he'd be in the conversation. And he's been he's been on the ballot. This is his fourth time on the ballot. So I don't think he's going to grow that flower to steal from Nick Sirianni. No, not happening. And and I was a bigger Abreu fan than you were. Well, but that's a, that's a low bar. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, he's not a Hall of Famer. So if you're not, you're not. He, we can argue and shoot. I've been doing it for 30 years. How did this guy get this percentage, but that guy get that percentage? Either you're in or you're not. At the end of the day, kind of like the Phillies last night, were they, was it an ugly game and was it tough to watch and sloppy, whatever? Did they win or lose? They won. Either you're in the Hall of Fame or you're not. How many years hang around, what your percentage is, at some point becomes blatantly irrelevant. Bobby Abreu is not a Hall of Famer. Very good player. Deserves to be on the ballot for a good couple of years. Glad he is. Glad he'll probably stay on there. He's not a Hall of Famer. Ray and Ventner, uh, we got about a minute for uh, a conversation here. What do you got? Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, good morning. Happen, whatever happened to Scott Kingery? Is he falling off the tree oh. altogether? <laughs> you don't see anything in the paper about him. You have no idea what he's hitting. Is he, is he even playing in, in AAA? Did, I mean, did, did, you miss, did you miss the two days he was on Philly's roster this, um, this year? Yeah, I, felt, I, I was sleeping those days. Uh, you could have <laughs> slept through it. He actually got called up. I think it was two yeah. days, Glenn. It might have been three. I, remembered. I do remember he, that. He did not get into a game. Um, he is still part of the organization. He is still cashing a relatively, oh, for AAA numbers, a phenomenal uh, paycheck. Uh, yeah, he, he does he, not factor in. He is currently what hitting 203 in Lehigh Valley with four home runs in 163 at-bats. So Yikes. I think well, what, the, the, the mighty have fallen, and they invested in him, and that did not work. Coming up, we are honored to talk to Odyssey insider Brian Baldinger, get his take on what's going on in the NFC East and beyond, right here with Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. He's Jody McDonald. I'm Glenn Mack now, and I uh, I go on my Twitter page, and I, I it's second half of summer, and there it is. I see Brian Baldinger. He's touring NFL camps, posing with Denver Broncos cheerleaders. Pretty nice life. We bring in Odyssey Insider Brian Baldinger. Baldy, how are you? Hey, Glenn. Jody, it's uh, good to be with you. I'm doing great. Uh, That's, where are you uh, now? Uh, well, I'm in New York here. Uh, i got to spend the day with the Giants tomorrow, so um, I just, uh, just got back from Denver. And uh, ready to uh, launch another week of camps. Maybe, maybe one of these teams will actually put the pads on. And, and actually, <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. Okay, you know what? I wasn't going to start there, but it it is a huge issue that that is discussed. And the guys on our station who are former players, guys mm-hmm. like John Ritchie, guys like Ike Reese, they're really offended by this, by how. There is no hitting by how the walkthroughs are 58 minutes long. There's a green day, a yellow day, a red day. As a guy who played in this league for a while, I mean, you had a career and now has covered this league for even longer. Um, do you, I mean, is, is it too soft? Is it problematic? Well, I think it leads to a whole new set of injuries. Because you, know, you got to condition a body to the contact that you get on Sundays when you're actually playing the game. So, I agree with, you know, with everybody uh, that you just mentioned and some of the complaints. I have some of the same. However, we're coming off the greatest postseason any of us have ever seen. 
yeah. and the game might never have been more entertaining. And mm-hmm. while I kind of like the old school, I understand uh, the need for uh, for safety in, in a lot of different cases. So I think there's a balance there right now, Glenn, and they're trying to walk that balance. But it does take away from some of us of what we went through. I mean, Ike and John and those guys, uh, you know, their, their first week of training camp was – very similar to what I went through. It was pretty brutal. It was two days. It was long. It was hot. It was physical. But then once you got through that, you really conditioned the body to the hitting and really didn't see a lot of the injuries that we see now. Mm-hmm. Baldy, uh, I just got a text here from Josh Allen, the quarterback from Buffalo, not the defense event from Jacksonville. He said, tell Baldy I disagree that last year's postseason was the most exciting. <laughs> right on time, Jody. That's, that's Josh. Uh uh, Baldy, I do want to ask you about quarterbacks, though, because coming into this year, I, and I've been following the league a long time, much mm-hmm. like yourself, I, I've never seen quarterback situations like what we have. An MVP who doesn't want to negotiate a contract extension. Uh, the highest paid quarterback guaranteed money in the history of the league. We don't know if or when he's going to play this year. The Cleveland Browns, a team that's got just four years removed, the number one overall pick in the draft, the number three overall pick in the draft, and nobody thinks they've got a quarterback in uh, Carolina. Uh, just un- And the whole Kyler Murray uh, homework clause to his contract. This is the weirdest quarterback offseason I've ever seen in my life. How about you? Well, yeah, well, it was as drama-filled as we've ever seen. And the quarterback, Harrisell, drove really three months of the offseason. And yep. uh, where are these, you know, new – where are these quarterbacks? I was just in Denver yesterday and watching Russell Wilson in a Bronco uniform. It still looks odd to me. Uh, it isn't for him. He's, he's loving every day of it right now. But, yes, it, it drove the entire offseason. But we also saw the last two years, Jody – the Super Bowl winners were led by quarterbacks who led their teams that they were quarterbacks of for a decade or two decades, in Tom Brady's case, Matt Stafford's case, where they led their team to a Super Bowl. And now teams believe that if you get the right guy in just one offseason, you could be hoisting the Vince Lombardi trophy. True. And so that's a big part of it is if you can get that guy, if Denver can get Russell Wilson with the defense they have and a good coach, maybe they could be the team that does it next not to mention, you know, what Justin Herbert looks like, what Mahomes has done, what Josh Allen can do. Um, it's it's a good it's a good era for quarterbacks right now if you've got one. Brian Baldinger is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Baldy NFL. His stuff during the season breakdown during the seasons are uh, just absolutely must watch stuff. All right, so we're talking about the quarterbacks, and of course, let's bring it back to the Eagles uh, and Jalen Hurts. And the biggest question this franchise has moving forward. I don't know if you can answer it, but do you think that Jalen Hurts has the talent to take his game to become a top-tier NFL quarterback, a second-tier NFL quarterback? Uh, I, I know he, I know he has what it takes, Glenn, to be to improve and to get better because that's that's how he's wired. He wants to be coached. Um, he believes that he can take another step. The talent around him got better. Uh, they had one really legitimate wide receiver to throw to last year. Now he's got, uh, you know, guys that in A.J. Brown that are better than anything they had on the field last year. Devontae should get better. and So I think they're better around him. Um, I, I just think certain things that he's got to correct in his game, and that is, you know, just the urgency to leave the pocket and to scramble and become a runner. Um, 
you know, I think he's just got to stay in there and trust the protection, trust the routes, trust the receivers are going to win the routes. And that means, you know, staying in there an extra tick or two at times. And I think uh, if he could do that, that will show improvement. And then there's just certain throws you got to make in this business. I mean, when you get to the red zone, every place I've been, I've been to four camps so far, almost every single team so far, their first real live period right now is red zone where, you know, are you kicking field goals or scoring touchdowns? Because Mm -hmm. if teams are dropping eight players into a zone coverage at the five-yard line, those windows are so small, and the throw has to be so tight and so specific. And said, In fact, watching Russell Wilson yesterday at the end of practice, he had a whole special period just himself when guys were walking off the field in the tight ends, just throwing those kind of routes in, you know, from the five-yard line. And so he, they were terrible last year when they got to the goal line, just awful. They didn't know what to do. And they could have won two or three games last year if they converted. And so that's a couple of different areas where I think Jalen can really improve his game, where if he does, he's going to take that next step. Baldy, I want to stick with the Eagles and go to your area of expertise, well, which is basically everything, but even more so because you played it, and that's the offensive line. Um, a whole bunch of people, yours truly at the top of the list, have said the Eagles have the best offensive line in the National Football League, my opinion. Um, and they've got a nice mix of it, veterans like uh, Kelsey and uh, uh, Lane, and on the other side, youth with uh, Mylotta and um, Dickerson. Isaac Samalo seems to be the only question mark. Is he going to be their right guard? Uh, will they look to go with a younger guy there? I think it's a non-starter. I think Isaac is unquestionably uh, the choice there if he's healthy. Is there a competition of right guard for the Eagles this year? Well, I think Jack Driscoll had a great offseason. I was around him a lot. He's a lot bigger and stronger than he ever was. He's almost up to 330 pounds. And so, you know, you're, you're trying to replace, you know, an all-pro in Brandon Brooks, you know. And so I think there's a competition there. Okay. But I think Isaac is, uh, you know, he's, he's a proven commodity. He's very smart. He can play any position on the offensive line. He almost has played every position mm-hmm. on the offensive line. you got to allow him to play himself back into shape after missing a lot of time last year. And, uh, you know, he lost a lot of weight in the offseason. He's gotten a lot of it back. But I think if Isaac is healthy, he's going to be the right guard. And as a group, they can certainly be as good as anybody in this league right now. I don't think that there's a better run-blocking offensive line. And, uh, you know, as far as pass protection, uh, it just depends on really the timing and the, the trust with the quarterback and the offensive line, how good they could be. But they could be as good as anybody. Their talent is supreme. Landed and Jordan Malata are as good as any young tandem on the left side in this business right now, and they're extremely well coached by Jeff Stoutland. Yeah, I, that, that they still have Stoutland, and uh, everything he's done in this franchise is just great. All right, we got Paul. We'll just take a couple more minutes from you, maybe try to sneak uh, a question about the other teams in the NFC East. I know you went up to, or you are, I guess, at the Giants camp where Brian Dable is going to try to make something more out of Daniel Jones. Can he do it? Well, you know, I was there last week for a day, and, you know, they were in their second day of practice. And, you know, it's two days, no pads, but, like, you know, they had their starting offensive, offensive team on the field. You know, Cardarius Tony, uh, you know, Kenny Galladay, the starting five offensive line, Saquon's healthy. I mean, that's just encouraging. Mm-hmm. Brian Dable is a really I, – I, this doesn't really sound like a football term, but he's a delight to be around. He's a very yeah. upbeat guy. Um, you know, he's very positive. 
Uh, he really, I think, has a plan. Just watching practice, there was a plan by what everything they were doing in practice. Uh, he's got great. I think he's got a really good young, uh, talented general manager in Joe Shane. They look like they're putting it together the right way. I like their coaching staff. I always have liked Wink Martindale as their defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I, I met Evan Neal for the first time. You just don't see people like that kind of size, that kind of size walking the planet. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's, he, he's, he's never missed a start ever, high school or college. And here he is walking to the right tackle position. They look better everywhere you look um, as a team. And, you know, so, but they're very, very young. And, you know, they got to they put it together and see how quickly they can come together and actually demonstrate um, that on Sundays is to be determined. But I think they're going to be a lot better than what we've seen over the last, say, five years. All right, Paulie, I'll follow up Glenn's question with NFC East quarterbacks. If Carson Wentz is the same exact quarterback he was last year for the Colts, this year for the Commanders, will we be talking about Carson Wentz joining his four team in the last four years at the end of this year? Well, that's, that's kind of hard because he didn't. They, the whole team tailed off in the last two weeks of the season after they'd beaten – the Arizona Cardinals on Christmas night, and they looked like they were going to be a lot to be in the playoffs. And then Carson didn't well play well against the Raiders or Jacksonville, but the team didn't either. I, Carson, I, I hope Carson takes a step up. I know he, he worked with the Hall of Fame quarterback this offseason. I hope some of that transfers and he recognizes some of the fundamental flaws that he has in his game. And I think if he really pays attention to those flaws and really works on it during training camp, and beyond, I think he could be a better player. And I think the Washington Commanders will be a better team as a result. All right, last one. Uh, when we last saw the Cowboys, they were being humiliated, uh, embarrassed again by the 49ers in, uh, in that game. Uh, they've also lost Amari Cooper since then. I guess my question is, you know, the Eagles have to get over that loss to Tampa, but I think the Eagles were kind of just happy to be in the playoffs. The Cowboys had bigger goals. Does that game against the 49ers, is there danger for the Cowboys that that leaves an impression? Oh, yeah. I mean, that was, an, like you said, that was embarrassing. At one point, it was 23-7 to into the fourth quarter of that game. It wasn't even a game. San Francisco physically whipped them at the line of scrimmage. And I think Dallas saw that. They drafted Tyler Smith from Tulsa in the first round, trying to shore it up. But that's a big, that was a big problem. They could not run the ball against San Francisco. Uh, Dak Prescott couldn't drop back and effectively throw the ball. Their number one receiver right now, CeeDee Lamb, caught one ball for five yards hmm. in that game. So, you know, there's, there's, there's real issues there. In fact, Zach Martin, their best offensive player, said going into training camp this year, I can't wait to find out what our identity is going to be. I don't think they have one. I don't think you could say that they're going to be a great running football team. I think Amari Cooper is a big loss. I do know this. Defensively, I think they're very good. And they, um, they, were sec- they led the league in takeaways last year. Their defense scored eight defensive touchdowns. Um, they're built on taking the ball away and splash plays. Um, they might have the most talented defensive player outside of Aaron Donald in the league and Micah Parsons. So they're, they're, they're well coached, and they got a lot of talent on that side of the ball. But I think offensively, there's some real question marks about this football team. Actually, Joe, I know you wanted to ask about uh, the Bucks, right? Um, yeah, I did. But uh, instead, okay. I'd rather go here because Baldy did mention that he got to see Evan Neal and 
didn't know humans could get that big. Hmm. We got a couple guys like that on the offensive line here in Philadelphia. And your ex-mates are the biggest of the big. Unless we're talking about Jordan Davis. Have you been able to get uh, close to him and see how big he is and how big a deterrent he could be for the opposition this year on the Eagles defensive line? Oh, yeah. I mean, they actually have a uniform that fits him, Jody. You know, <laughs> so, like, that, that's encouraging. But, you know, you just watch him just bounce around the field. And, you know, he's, again, you know, here's a guy um, that if he keeps his weight under control and he learns from really, some really, you know, veteran guys and Fletcher Cox and Brent Graham, the guys up front, he could be a, a real force. I actually believe that his best position is right guard. Like, I think he could be a perennial Pro Bowl right guard because of his size and ability and the coach that's there. They're not going to do that. But um, I, I think that he, he can make an immediate impact early in the season with his natural size and athletic ability. Well, Brian Ballinger, it is always a pleasure. Um, I mean, and when it comes to the voices, the top people I respect, their voices and opinions on the NFL, you are right there following him on Baldy NFL. He is our Odyssey insider. Uh, Baldy, where's after New York? Uh, well, I'm seeing both New York teams here. Uh, Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to Buffalo. And then uh, I, I believe Arizona, the Chargers, the Cowboys, Seattle, and San Francisco, and then the Raiders. Nice so tour. It's going to be a good week this week. And by the way, Buffalo, the first week of August, is exactly the right time to be there, my friend. Yes. <laughs> Having grown yes, up there, I know this. Yeah. All right. Hey, it's thanks so much for joining us. Yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Right, Baldy, take, thanks, buddy. Take care. There thanks, you go. Brian Baldinger, our Odyssey insider. Smart guy, Jody. Really smart guy. His his video breakdowns are as good as there are anywhere. Uh, NFL Network, uh, ESPN, CBS, you name it, his are as good, if not better, than anyone else out there. Yep. Two on five, five nine. Got to start right here uh, in broadcasting at 94 WIP. I remember Baldy doing Did a post game yeah. years and years, no, uh, pregame show, excuse me, years and years and years ago. Like, soon after I started with you, Angelo hosted the pregame show. I was on it. Baldy was on it. I don't remember who else. But I remember whenever Baldy spoke, I would just kind of, like, shut up. Because <laughs> he really knew what he was talking about. It's like, yeah, I'll just let him go. You sit there and nod your head go, yep, 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 yeah, yep, yeah. yep. No disagreement. Baldy, I see it exactly the way you see it. 215-592-9494. We have a brief little uh, what we're watching coming up. Um just to kind of get uh, our listeners' ideas about something. You'll see. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Is today your lucky day? Well, it could be the NFL season right around. If we, we got Baldy on. You know the NFL season is close. And if you want action on your games this year, the Bet Parks app is everything you want a digital casino and sportsbook. Only casino and sportsbook app that I recommend and use. Easy to sign up, fun to use, faster to win than ever before. Check them out on Twitter, at BetParks. They've got some special odds boosts for you, some insights from individuals, player specials on all your favorite sports. Join me right now at the all-new BetParks Casino and Sportsbook app. Bet your favorite sports. Play all your favorite casino games for real money. Download the app now at the App Store, Google Play, or on their website at BetParks.com. The all-new BetParks apps. If you're a new user, you can choose between a $20 casino bonus or a $20 free sports. Sports bet today. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony, and it's right there in your pocket. Join with me at Bet Parks Sportsbook app.
I like it. What do you think? Very good. I go. like it. Okay. So here's the deal. Uh, and by the way, 215-592-9494. I know we've done a lot of stuff. We haven't invited a lot of callers. We would love to hear from some callers now if you want to talk uh, about the Eagles in training camp. Uh, and you've heard everything we've discussed about uh, Jalen Hurts and where that's going to go and our conversation with Baldy. If you want to talk about the Phillies win last night or the trade deadline, 215-592-9494. And we even have a $50 gift card from our friends at Scheib Vintage Sports for the best caller of the day. Check out their throwback apparel at their Sunny City location or at ScheibSports.com. Okay. Uh, we need to cut a new open, Jody, um, which could include what we just had, uh, which was tremendous. Moshe did that yesterday. Great job by Moshe. Correct. Um, because I've been playing that same comeback for about 15 years, and I think we need a new open that doesn't have the Fugitive and Caddyshack and I don't know, maybe Breaking Bad. But I put out the call yesterday. And got some response. And, and Jody, if you do, I don't know if you did, but if you would uh, put out on social media, looking for kind of the most iconic movie and TV lines, what do you think, 21st century on? Last 20 that, years? That would so? work for me. Yeah. Yeah. I loved Caddyshack, but it came out 40 years ago. Got to freshen it up. And we got your name in it. Uh, I'm going to do one for Saturday with Mike, one for Sunday with you. And my plan, by the way, is to do what we're watching whenever one of us has something. So if you say to me, I'm watching a new show and it's really good, we'll do it on Sunday. If Mike's got something, Saturday, me, whatever day it is. So I want to I keep this going with everybody getting their opportunity to, uh, to do it. So that said, I didn't watch anything new this week. Did you watch anything new this week? Not really, no. Okay. All right. Uh, too much Phillies action. Uh yeah, for for me to go. And if you're going to find something new, it used to be the summer was a wasteland. You and I are both old enough to remember when yeah. network television signed off in May and couldn't wait for late September to roll reruns because the baby. new season started. All you got all the summer long were reruns. But now with all the streaming options and whatever, there's new shows 52 weeks a year. Right. So what I am going to do today is uh in lieu of watching anything new last week if you remember i gave you my favorite new shows of the first half of 2022 meaning they were all in their first season right so now i'm going to give you my top five shows that i've been watching this season that are not in their first season got it okay all, all right. right so uh, you may have, you probably watched a bunch of these right okay ozark which yeah, finished like and was great you didn't like ozark I think I told you this before. I gave up on it. I watched two yeah. seasons and just lost interest. Yeah, well, I, I can't tell you to go back and watch it. Everybody's got their no, own taste. but it's I, not going to happen. I, well, that's fine. And I loved Ozark, and I loved the way it ended. I thought it, it was a really good final season. I don't believe you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I am very much into the last season of Better Call Saul. Oh, tremendous. Yeah. Although I thought this week's, the one with Carol Burnett this week was just kind of filler. I don't know if you watched it, the most recent one. But that's part of what makes it great. It goes off on these little side trails that you're really not sure where they're going, but it's still intriguing just the same. And working Carol Burnett in, I thought, was phenomenal. It was a good standalone show. I hear you. I think I'm, like, waiting for Walter to show up. Yeah. 
you know, and I thought like, oh, this will be the week, and they just kind of, just kind of stalled it. But yes, in and of itself, it was very good TV. But we do agree, great show, worth watching. Phenomenal. Odenkirk is one of the best actors in the last ten years on any through any vehicle, movie or television. Now, somebody asked me the question. Um, they said, "Listen, I did not watch Breaking Bad. Would I enjoy watching Better Call Saul?" What do you think? Yes, not as much. That's what I said. If you watch, uh, it, it just adds to your enjoyment of watching Better Call Saul. If you've been prepped for it by having watched Breaking Bad, you will understand the little references and the nuances more so. But certainly Better Call Saul standalone is an outstanding show. That's exactly what I said. I said, you'll enjoy it. It's a really good show. You would enjoy it more if you invested in uh, Breaking Bad. But again, it, it, like it's a big investment. Breaking Bad, I think, had 60-something episodes. Better Call Saul probably the same. So starting from the beginning on both is, is a bear. But okay. I would have even thought they'd had more. 60, you sure? Of which one? Breaking Bad. I think it was like between like 63. I'm, wow. I'm, okay. I'm, not, I'm not positive. I would, maybe it's I more, but that's what I thought. More like 80, but okay. Okay. Uh, show not in its first season that I love, and I don't remember if we discussed this. I love Only Murders in the Building in its second season on Hulu. Yeah, Steve Martin, Martin Short. Selena Gomez. Oh, really? That one? Oh, I love that show. Is it good? I love that show. I you like should Martin do, It Short. starts season one because it's only season okay. two, and I think season one, Tina Fey is in it. Uh, uh, Sting it has a little cameo in really? it. Really? Oh, yeah. That you know, can I give you a little? It's a great little scene. Sure. He's on, Sting is on the elevator with his dog, and Martin Short just thinks the dog is cute, and so he starts walking to the dog, and Sting says, don't stand so close to me. <laughs> very good it was a great little moment hopefully i didn't ruin it for you um but i th it's i don't know i hope you would like that show it's quirky okay it's quirky i'm okay um, with that okay and i think steve martin and martin short are great it's so uh yeah you should watch that on hulu second season okay. uh second season show i just finished hacks you watch that at all no okay you familiar with it no okay <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um, so is hacks it about, is is it about cab drivers? It is not at all. And when oh. I first when I first saw it, I thought that's you know like I'm going to watch a show about cab driver, which I would. Hacks is a show. Um, you know who Jean Smart is, the actress. She sure. was in Mayor of yeah. Easttown as the mom. Oh yeah. Okay. So she plays a Las Vegas comedian who was always hot. It's like a Joan Rivers kind of character who was always big and suddenly. Her career is really declining, and she's losing, you know, gigs, and it's really it looks like it's over for her. And she hires a young writer. The actress's name is Hannah. I think it's N Endbinder. She is the daughter of remember Lorraine Newman way back on on SNL. Sure. Yeah, this is her daughter. She's the really? actress. Yeah. Okay. And and it's essentially Hannah Endbinder is supposed to make uh, Gene Smart relevant again. But it's got a lot more than that. The relationships are good, and the storyline is good, and it's and it's and it's fast. Half hour, six eight episodes, boom, you're done. Watch Hacks. Second season, really good. I'm glad. I'm having fun telling you this. Good. All right. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going back and watching uh, uh, Ozark. Ozark. That's fine. Yeah, that's, that's okay. That's okay. Um, this one's easy. Ted Lasso. Everybody. When knows is that, that coming show. back? Well, season two. It had season two. I mean, yeah, season. Oh, three. season three. I don't know. I don't know. I watched season two this year. 
I, I missed both seasons. Both had already been well released when I finally got it because I didn't have that. St- which streaming service are they on again? Uh, Apple TV Plus, maybe? Apple. Yeah, Apple. They are on I Apple. Didn't, I didn't yeah. have Apple, but my daughter, because of her job responsibilities, gets Apple for free. There you and go. if you get Apple, password. you can have two or three that join in, blah, blah, blah. So I got Apple, and when I did, probably on yours and her recommendations, the first thing I did was go back, and it took me like three days to get all of both seasons done because I yeah. couldn't turn it off. It was that good. I'm very much looking forward to season three. It's great. Uh, yeah, so season two I watched this year. Uh, did you watch Barry on HBO? No. It's good. So Bill Hader plays a hitman who wants to be an actor. That's the basic setup. And he can't get away from his life as a hitman, which he is trying to do. Henry Winkler plays his acting coach. Henry Winkler, by the way, is great in this. Uh, very good show. Right, HBO. So only thing I will say is, yeah, I watch enough HBO, so I've seen all the commercials, promotions, whatever you want to call them. Did nothing to move me. Okay. Didn't right. didn't suck me in. That's what yeah. you got to do with those things, right? Suck yeah. someone in. They watch for, oh, my God, how did I not watch this before? Yeah, it did nothing to suck me in. So, so I follow on Twitter uh, the guy who's the TV critic for Rolling Stones named Alan Seppenwall. Okay. And he wrote, he wrote like a week or two ago that last year, 2021, there were more than 600 scripted shows on TV. And as a TV critic, he like, there's no way he can follow them all. So I appreciate that there are so many shows on TV. And because we do this, I'm sure you get people all the time, oh, you got to watch this show. You should watch this. There's no way I can watch all of them. Right. And, if, and you're right. If you watch the preview for it and you come away going like, eh, then you're not going to do it. I like Barry a lot. I recommend it. Okay. Um, am I done? I think that was, oh, one more. One, I guess this was more than five. But here's the last one, uh, and it's not a scripted show. It's a food show. Stanley Tucci Searching for Italy on CNN. You familiar with this? No. Stanley Tucci's the actor, right? You've seen him before. Well, uh, hold on, hold on. Did you say CNN? It's on CNN, yeah. yeah. They got a food show on CNN? It's a travel food show. Oh, that justifies it. <laughs> So Stanley Tucci is an actor. I like Stanley Tucci. I think he's is an outstanding it? actor. He's an outstanding actor. And by the way, it, people have told me that occasionally I look like Stanley Tucci, which I'll take as a compliment because other people told me I look like Jason Alexander. So I'll take okay. Stanley Tucci. Yeah, yeah. In that I one. take Tucci. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> right. So Stanley Tucci is of Italian descent. And Italy has, I forget exact number, the way the United States has states, Italy has 31 provinces, territory, I don't even remember what it's called, right? And so each week on the show, he goes to one, like he goes to Lombardy, or he goes to Sicily, or he goes to whatever, and he goes to a different section of Italy and eats, and you get to watch him eat. He'll go to restaurants, and he'll go to farms, and he'll go to, you know, every markets, and the food is astounding, and the, what I would say to you is you cannot watch this show like if you're hungry, right? you got to like eat dinner and then watch the show and then feel like, oh, my dinner wasn't as good as what he's eating. But it's great, and he's really entertaining. He's got a great personality, and these people he finds in Italy are fascinating. And I want, I've been to Italy once in my life. You ever been to Italy? No. Okay. I've been there once. I so want to go back. 
after watching this show, and I like write down the places he's been to and say, like, okay, I got to go to this part of Italy and go to this great restaurant. So Stanley Tucci searching for Italy is great. All right, two questions. Number yep. one, did he contemplate using drive-in diners and dives does Italy as a title? Was, was that ever <laughs> contemplated? Because that's what it sounds like to me. It's it's that, but he's much more charming than the guy who does drive-ins, diners, and drives and whatever. Uh, that's that's. But it's kind of the, it, I mean, it's the same I, format, I like, which is you're going like to a lot guy. of places. He's got some of the greatest hair ever on yeah. television. I can give him his most props. memorable. I'll give you that. Yeah. All right, and the other one was: uh, Does Stanley Tucci ever reference Wolf Blitzer? No. <laughs> Because of that. Well, then why is it a CNN show? How do you CNN do something like CNN I, I don't and not know. reference Wolf Blitzer? How can I answer? You know, by the way, since you mentioned Wolf Blitzer, that he was my summer camp counselor when I was No! Left. Get I never out of here! I never no! Yes. I've never heard that! Yes, camp. Wolf is a Buffalo guy. And and uh, when I was a kid, we went to summer camp, a camp called Cape, Camp Lakeland. Which I was distressed. I looked it up on Google a year ago, and it no longer exists. Which oh. was I was very sad to hear that. Sorry, but my counselor was a guy named Wolf, and like twenty years ago, a friend of mine emailed me and he said, "You remember our counselor Wolf?" I said, "Yeah, I remember him." He goes, "Yeah, that's Wolf Blitzer," and I was like, "Yes, it was. That's right." And it was Wolf Blitzer. Anyway, I've never heard he was, that before. He was a very nice. He was a nice guy. He was a teenager, though. Like I was. You know, ten, and he was probably eighteen, nineteen. He was a very nice guy. I believe that. And so there, you uh, go. I I thought he had to be mentioned on every show on CNN. Uh, <laughs> That's why I thought Stanley Tucci had to work him into some kind of Italian recipe, and Will Blitzer instead would use real tomatoes instead of these processed ones. You would like this show. All right. All right. All right. Last thing I want to tell you. Then we're going to take. A, we got a call or two on hold. I want to get the call uh, because it's what we're watching. Uh, Jody. Between October 21st and November 5th, if you find your way out to the Players Club of Swarthmore, I will be in the play Clue. I auditioned, and I got the role. Very good director, Mike Sokolovsky. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not Anthony Sanfilippo? No, no, because it's not a musical. You're going to play without Sanfilippo? I know. Amazingly, oh, I another director a, hired me. You're such a cheater. No, you're I'm cheating not on che- Sanfilippo. Shame on you. Well, I didn't. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do the the singing and dancing this year. Okay. So I auditioned for Clue, and I play the role of Colonel Mustard. Very nice. Do you remember the movie Clue? Did you watch that movie years um, ago? Years ago, yeah. I yeah. don't remember it, but I yeah, do late remember 80s. watching it. Yeah. Anyway. So the board game turned into a movie, turned into a play, and I'm going to be in the play uh, late October, early November. When is this? October 21st through November 5th. Okay. Ten performances, Jody. I'm, I w- I'm going to try to get you out for one. Yeah or nay on Halloween? No on Halloween. Oh. No. It's um, me out of the house. I wouldn't have had to do Candy Patrol. <laughs> You're killing me, Mac, now. It's Thursday. I mean, I, the day, it started October 21st is a Friday. So it's like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the next week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and next week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Okay. So uh, anyway, uh, tickets available at PCSTheater.org, and uh, that's it. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Let us work in Jeff on a cell phone. Jeff, what's on your mind today? Hey, good morning, fellas. I'm uh, driving back from Pittsburgh. was at the Phillies Pirates game last night. Nice. And uh, I got to tell you, the Phillies fans, uh, they traveled well, and – Everybody behaved. Um, 
Ranger was uh, really sharp, and we uh, wound up sitting behind Corey Canable's wife, and it was uh, a lot of fun to watch her at the end of the game, especially after that pickoff move. Very uh, nice. Oh, great. I bet. Yeah, yeah. So he great said, place to watch it. I read, I read the story today that Canable said he's been trying that move his whole career. It's the first time it actually worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in any event, I was just uh, kudos to the Phillies fans the way they traveled. Um, yeah, I'm watching the game, and I know the you know the, the NBC Sports Philadelphia is going to be looking for the Philly fans, but it seemed Jeff almost it was like fifty fifty. It was, it was, it was, and, and it was kind of nice because they were, you know, the Pirates are sort of a sorry team, and they weren't really rubbing it in. It was just, it was all good. When when the first baseman threw the ball away in the tenth inning, cheers are plenty. I know. I, it was it was absolutely a fifty fifty split as far as you could yeah, just and tell. Yeah, big, big fire, firework, big fireworks display afterwards. Uh, it's a great place to go watch a game. Oh, that's uh, ballpark. The, the if, yeah, I was going to ask you about that ballpark, I, and I've been there. It is one of the nicest ballparks in in baseball. Yep, uh, I agree. You, walk, you do the thing where you walk over the bridge past the Clemente yep. stat. Yeah, yeah, it's yep, nice. Yep, yep. All good. Uh, last question for me: One it when uh, Nick Castellanos struck out, and I think he left six guys on base yesterday. I heard those boos on my TV. Tell us how that sounded in the stadium. Uh, you know, so especially in the first inning with the bases loaded, that was kind of painful to watch. Um, I, I said I was there with my son. I went out there to help him move. I thought I'd aged out of that, but apparently not. And uh, I, uh, you never do if it's your son. Yeah, and I said, you know, Castellanos just kind of looks lost up there at the plate. You know, he's kind of flailing away. The off-speed stuff was killing him. Yeah, well, good for you. Um, it's nice to go to other ballparks when your team plays, and that's a great ballpark. And uh, you got to win. So well done, Joe. Yep. All good. All, All right, guys. Thank you very much. There you go. 215-592-9494. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack. Now, don't forget Dick Vermeil at noon. The coach is going into the Hall of Fame next week. We will ask him about that and other things. Jody McDonald, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Jody, I need uh, your opinion on something which I trust you, your knowledge of this way beyond mine. Your Philadelphia 76ers are being investigated by the NBA in terms of the recruitment and signing of James Harden and those players after him. They could potentially be fined. They could potentially face the loss of draft picks. I can't imagine it would go anything beyond that. But when I saw that, I thought to myself, when did the NBA become diligent about this sort of thing? So I come to you, Jody Mack, and ask you, what the hell's going on? Well, first thing first, they, they were allowed to quote-unquote tamper with James Harden because he was their property. He, he, the last team was before he uh, opted out and became a free agent was the 76 So they could have been talking to him throughout. So there is absolutely nothing there. Might they have talked to P.J. Tucker before he became an official free agent? Oh, yeah, I'm sure they did. Like every year in the NBA. Thank you. Where tampering goes on in season, leading into free agency. The next year, players are allowed to do it, but teams aren't. Uh, This is a big nothing burger. I don't see any way the NBA can take any action. Now, there is at least 
rumors and uh, aspersions being cast that there's a wink and a nod deal between James Harden and the 76ers that he would play for that much less this year, and it's $15 million from what he could have opted in at what he eventually signed for, 14 or $15 million. That's a big hometown discount, and just to let your uh, team have more flexibility to sign free agents with the Sixers took advantage of and did just that. We'll see a year from now if he signs a new, longer-term, well-over-50-million-dollars-jump-up type deal. If he does, and those who have asserted that this is the case here, they'll be proven right. If he doesn't, then they were making it up as they go along. I would be surprised. I don't think Daryl Morey uh, is that kind of committed. I know he's got a great relationship with James Harden, and he played it to its max to put themselves in the best situation they could this year. I, I don't think he's promised James Harden anything past this year uh, as far as a extended contract goes because he signed for one more year, but it's a player option. So he could opt out, and you're back in the same exact situation you were. If Harden re-signs here for over $50 million, I would be very surprised. Okay, so, I mean, I, I, I don't know where this comes from because whenever I've – the NBA is the one league where it seems to me this happens all the time. Right. And I know now they have like the legal tampering part of things or whatever, but like, hey, a guy's a free agent and 20 minutes later he signs a six year, $150 million deal. Like, wow, yep. boy, they agreed to that pretty fast. Guess they didn't talk when it was illegal. And you, I mean, there's always, I know LeBron with uh, Bosch and Wade to Miami and then with uh, what's his name, Davis to LA is like players colluding as opposed to teams. So I guess that's different. And, but I'm looking at like you know Katie the Warriors and Harden of the Nets and like now they're they're going to investigate PJ Tucker and Daniel House. I just I don't I don't get where this comes from. Like suddenly the NBA cares. Yeah, um, I I think and I do believe that because Harden did something that very rarely happens in the NBA, a still viable player took significantly less money to return to a team. And at least on the surface, it looks solely for the reason of giving the team more money to play with in the free agency. That that does kind of stick out like a sore thumb. But the whole tampering, th- I, they got no leg to stand on. It happens all the time. That's what I thought. All right. You're right. Okay, question. Because uh, I like to work all four teams in every show. So let's do the sure. Sixers, and then we'll figure out what to say about the Flyers. I don't know what to work in, but I do promise to work them into every show. Uh, the Sixers right now in better shape than they were at the end of last season? Yes. Uh, closer to the Celtics? Closer. Okay. Have not caught. Have not caught the Bucks either. I yeah. would say I, 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 Miami kind of surprised me last year, and that's because Spolster is such a good coach that uh, he takes different pieces and makes them work and fit as well as anybody does in the NBA. He's probably the best coach in the NBA right now. But I think the Sixers have a better roster than Miami does. Okay. Uh, and this assumes that um, the Celtics don't get Kevin Durant, which is one of the rumors that's been going on the last week. And it makes some sense if it does. Jalen Brown plus uh, that, that, that. Here's the only reason why I don't say, oh, my God, the Celtics have to do that. Tatum's game and Durant's game are very similar. And they're both phenomenal. They're both top 10 players in the NBA. How do you not want to get two top 10 players and play them together? Well, unless they basically play the same game, which those two guys do. 
So if the Celtics do that, it will certainly raise the overall talent level of their game. But then Emi Udoka is going to have his work cut out for him because his two best mm-hmm. players basically do the same things. Yeah, how would you like to be a Brooklyn? Uh, yeah, it is Brooklyn. A Brooklyn Nets fan about oof, these days. Oof. Yeah, right. That's all right. And Flyers. if they trade Durant before uh, Kyrie, Durant <laughs> goes, but you still got Kyrie out. Right. That yeah. that would be hard to be a Nets fan. Well, you got Ben Simmons. All's all's fine. Ooh. If he, I, I don't, he'll ever play. Uh, okay. The Flyers made a couple minor deals this week. I still, again, I promise to work in every show. I have no hope and faith at all in the Flyers whatsoever and the direction they're going other than the fact that the new coach intrigues me. Do you got here's, anything other than that? Yes. Here's why it was a good week for the Flyers, oh, Glenn. Well, hey, yes, good. absolutely. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like every week somebody gets hurt with this massive injury. No lower that's body injury. Them out for yeah. months and months yeah. and months. What do you uh, mean we're not even playing? How did a guy get hurt when they weren't even playing? No, it was a good week. Nobody got hurt. <laughs> that's what that franchise has become, Jody McDonald. Yes. Yeah, it's pretty sad. All right, coming up, it's going to be a big honor. We're going to talk to uh, Dick Vermeil, former coach of the Eagles, Super Bowl coach with the uh, St. Louis Rams. Next week, headed to Canton to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We got him here next on 94 WIP with Jody McDonald, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. What you are hearing is the Hall of Fame music for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Next Saturday in Canton will be a very special day as uh, a great one. Uh, A guy who was a terrific head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, St. Louis Rams, Kansas City Chiefs, won a Super Bowl, complete class act, gets inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. It is a privilege for Jody and I now to have the opportunity to talk to head coach Dick Vermeil. Hey, thanks so much for giving us the time today, coach. Hey, my pleasure. My pleasure. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing great. Very um, good, coach. Now, uh, you know, uh, we've we've been around. We've seen you in Canton when some of your players got in, notably Harold Carmichael, Kurt Warner, who's the guy who got to tell you you were going in. Now you, um, I'm going to throw you the question I'm sure everyone has asked you. How do you anticipate you will be feeling next Saturday when all of those people are in the audience watching you be inducted? Well, first, I'll probably be very emotional. Secondly, I'll be very appreciative. And third, I'll be very grateful because, you know, so many people have made unbelievable contributions to my career, both as a person, as a coach, you know, and, uh, and to be able to join those Hall of Famers that are already there and the other seven people being inducted in my class is an honor that goes way beyond my personal uh, expectations. Coach, I'm sure I've asked you this question at some point in another interview you've been good enough to do with me, but I feel the need to ask it again. California kid, spend your whole life out in California until you're offered the job as head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles and you move to the Delaware Valley and damn if you don't fit in like a glove. And you are beloved in this town and always have been. Did you know it was going to work when you first moved to Philadelphia? Have never been, lived or worked or done anything on the east coast of this country. 
Well, there were a number of people that told me it wouldn't work because there hadn't been much success experienced in the Eagle organization prior to me getting here. But fortunately for me, Chuck Knox and George Allen both said, go, that you can get it turned around. So they they really expressed some real solid confidence in me and my potential to do it. And then I surrounded myself with so many good people, and we went to work. It wasn't easy, but we went to work. Yeah, and it took a couple of years, um, and it was some hard times, and it was some emotional times. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, 1980, Super Bowl, it, it is a highlight uh, moment and highlight year for this franchise. You embrace this city. You know, Jody's kind of talking about this, and you, you mm-hmm. stayed here. You made this city a big part of your life. Why do you think this city embraced you so? Well, I think they identified with me. I think they identified with the Eagle struggle to get better. I think they identified with our work ethic. They, I think they identified with the kind of character player I was keeping on the roster, the kind of work ethic. I think they identified with my openness to communicate as honestly as I possibly could. You remember I had my own radio shows on Monday night that allowed me to talk directly to fans. We never screened we never screened a question. We yeah. took them all. Sometimes I would hang up and say, why do I put myself through this? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think we established a relationship. And you remember, I brought three teenagers with me back here. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, they finish high school, go to college, and then eventually get married, start having grandchildren. And, and their roots are deeper here than mine were at that time. When you're, right. you're born here, those kinds of things, and you finish your education here, and you get married here, it deepens the roots. And... Uh, so, you know, and then uh, Blue Cross hired me to be a spokesperson, as did Cadillac, and I'm still with Independence Blue Cross. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I just I just sort of fell in love with the people. You know, I didn't meet many people when I was coaching. I yeah. started meeting people after my coaching career and being in the community, being in the charity work, and, and, then, and then nosing around in Chester County and being able to buy a, a large block of ground, 100 acres, uh, very inexpensively at that time, and uh, th- then to build a home on it. What else do you need? You know. Then I go back into coaching. I was uh, smart enough not to sell it and keep it because I knew I would return. You know. So grand- now I have grandchildren in the area. You know. Yeah, yeah. that's phenomenal, Coach. We know that uh, the Delaware Valley and Eagle fans just flat out fell in love with you and still do. But I want to go one further. You said you didn't get a chance to meet people till after your coaching career was over. That's because you were kind of busy coaching. But those guys you were coaching, the Ron Jaworskis, the Bergies, the Herman Edwards, the Harold Carmichaels, they speak of you just as glowingly as any of the Eagle fans do. What was it about the reason that you were so good with connecting with your players? Well, I think they trust me. After a while, they learn that you're honest, your integrity is at a high level, they can believe in what you say, and then they, they buy into your work ethic. You know, yeah, sometimes you have to teach people hard work is not a form of punishment, okay? And a lot of things can be accomplished, regardless of your talent level, if you go to work and, and be persistent and, and, and disciplined and, and work at it and give the credit to the other guy. Like I used to tell the guys, you you need credit, go to the bank. That's the business they're in. We're, we're here to win games. And, uh, you know, and the guys bought in, the Franklin Masters, these guys, the Wilbert Montgomery's, 
these guys in my coaching staff, you know, my assistant coaching staff was just outstanding. You know, Marion Campbell has never been given credit for how good a defensive coordinator he really was. You know, and, and gosh, I just so appreciative the Dick Corey's of the world and these kind of guys, uh, Ken Iman and uh, Fred Bruni and oh, God, so many uh, really, you know, just great people, great coaches, and they helped bond the relationship between the team. And, you know, the harder you work people, the closer they become together. You know, the Navy SEALs prove that. Yeah. You know, the Green Berets have proved that. Uh, uh, it's hard work is what brings people close together because they, they look around and they see everybody doing what they're doing, working their butts off. And, uh, and, and then they start enjoying and appreciating the small percentage gains they make in their own personal performance. And therefore, they get rewarded not only financially, but when lost record-wise and recognition and personal pride. And uh, so, you know, I, I'm very, very close to most of my players. And you can't please them all. But, uh, you know, I, I, to me, they're, they're, they're my extended family. I see them often, okay? I see the Burgies. I, I see the LeMasters. I, I see I talk to the Herman Edwards. I, I talk to Jaworski. Jaworski. Ron Jaworski will be on the stage with me when I get my gold jacket, standing nice. next to Carol, Kurt Warner, and Trent Green. Yeah. So, I mean, these guys, are me. they are what made me me. <laughs> they took me way beyond my own personal expectations, believe me. Uh, Coach Dick Vermeil is with us. Uh, as we are saying, he is going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame next weekend. By the way, I just want to tag that hard work part because I want to get back to that in a couple minutes in regard to today's league. Um, you've been to this before, as we said, and you were there when Kurt Warner got in in 2017, and you were there when Harold Carmichael got in. So when those previous years when you're watching that, when you were there, because I know it's it took a while for this to happen, did you ever think you were going to get this gold jacket? Did you expect someday your moment will come? You know, I didn't really until two years ago. Two years ago when I was there, I know that uh, Sal Palantonio was representing me to the committee of voters, and he, and he was my spokesperson presenting me. And uh, I would hear rumors that, you know, people talked about me and considered me in the final group and these kinds of things. So I started thinking about that time uh, that there might be a chance someday, but I, I didn't hang my hat on that thought because, you know, there's only been 10 guys put in the 10 coaches rather put in the hall of fame in the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, good company you know, there. It wasn't, it was not a guaranteed uh, thing to, to happen. You know, I can remember sitting there one time and seeing uh uh, different coaches uh, uh, that have already been selected, you know, Bill Parcells. I remember standing up and, and and saluting Bill Parcells when he was sitting down and he saluted me back out of mutual respect. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, geez, I wonder if I'll ever get to sit next to him. What, what an honor that would be because I had great admiration and respect for Bill. You know, so that's how it all materialized. All right, Coach, we are now, the countdown is on, only six days away. How much of your speech have you written? Are you going to wing it? How much preparation time are you going to need? Where are you in the Dick Vermeil speech prep uh, rundown right now? Well, I'll tell you what, believe this or not, I have a written 
copy of it in front of me right now that I finished about 20 minutes ago. Really? I've been right. I've been thinking every night about two or three o'clock in the morning about what to say. First off, they only give you eight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> First off, they wanted you to uh, accept help from their speech uh, coach, which I, I refused. Secondly, they wanted to put they want you to put it on a teleprompter, which I refused. Uh, because that way they can exactly control the eight minutes, you know, and that's part of it. And they want you, they don't want you to embarrass yourself either. But, you know, I just, I didn't want anybody influencing what I have to say. I wanted everything I have to say come from my experiences with the people that I've coached and worked with and worked for. And the only way I could do that is keep, every day give it some thoughts. You, you would not believe the stacks of papers I over and I, I always put everything in pencil first. And uh, other than the headings, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the thank you, uh, Leonard Toast heading, you know, uh, you don't have time to mention many names and go into many specifics in eight minutes. But I just timed it and I did it in six minutes and 32 seconds. Ooh, you got some latitude. Too, nice. Just I... way too fast. And it will lack the sincerity that I would like to have time to present in detail. But, you know. Uh, you have to do what they ask you to do, and, and I'm doing it, and I appreciate the opportunity to have those eight minutes. Yep, sure. I looked at the order, uh, and this is this is the this is the order, and this is the company you'll be keeping. Uh, Leroy Butler is going to go first. Yeah. And then it's going to be uh, representing Sam Mills. Yeah. Uh, Richard Seymour, uh, right. Former former official Art McNally. Yeah. Uh, offensive tackle Tony Baselli. Yeah. Bryant Young. Yeah. Cliff Branch, and then you're and the me. closer. Yeah. Uh, as the closer, and I know everybody asked you this question. I kind of started with this. Are you? Um, it's going to be really emotional for you. You are known, and you are proud. You are, you do not shy from being somebody who shows emotion. Yeah. That may fill the eight but, minutes, Coach. Yeah, I know it. I know it. <laughs> I'm hoping by being last, they might give me a minute or two if I run Extra, over. Extra, yes. So, yeah. But, uh, you know, it is what it is, and uh, <laughs> how you, I just couldn't be any more grateful than I am. The only thing that will make me a little more grateful for the entire experience is to see uh, the, the Mike Holmgrens, the Dan Reeves, the Marty Schottenheimers, the Dan, you know, the, the Tom Coughlins, the Chuck Knoxes, the Don Coriels, the George Seiferts, you know, the Schottenheimers. These kind of guys go in because they, they deserve it every bit as much as I do. And I just think the Hall has passed up too many years of putting one of those guys in ahead of me. So hopefully I'll live long enough to see them go in after me. Coach, uh, I love the story you tell about how much time and effort you put into uh, formulating this speech, and you think you're in a good place six days out. But maybe this has passed through the gray matter in the last couple of weeks, months, as you've been prepping to do your speech. What's the best piece of advice that you either received or gave to a player, to a coach that you got from a player or coach that you think has helped to formulate this now Hall of Fame Dick Vermeil career? Well, I've had coaches. I've had players. I've had broadcasters I work with said, Coach, just go there and be yourself. Just go be yourself. That's why I actually really didn't want to write anything down other than names to remember. I just wanted to be able to impulsively and emotionally 
speak from the heart. But I have to hand this outline of my speech in tomorrow morning. I'll scan it and send it in. A friend of mine is going to type it today because I'm not the greatest on the computer. <laughs> and it's going to type it for me today, and then I'll, I'll scan it in. But uh, this is as close as I can get to sincerely thanking and showing my appreciation uh, for the contributors to my career. Again, my career went way beyond what I ever thought it would be, okay? And these people are responsible for it. You know, and, and last but not least, my family and my wife, Carol. You know, players even joke, how in the hell can any woman live 65 years with you? you know? <laughs> wow. I get that. I get that from my local Eagles all the time, you know, so uh, because they know her so well. But, you know, it, it, it'll be difficult, but it's going to be the same for everybody except, you know, I had three teams. Yeah. And I complained about it. I complained about it to the board. I said, listen, these guys have one team. I, it'd be easy to represent one team in eight minutes, but represent three teams? Plus, you know, I, went, I coached high school, junior college, and college board before I ever got in the NFL. So I, I have a lot of people to show my appreciation to and, and for. So I, it, I'm going to do the best I can within the framework I've been given and just uh, – I'm certainly not going to wing it because if, if I winged it, I'd be too emotional too long and not get a lot enough and not, not thank enough people. <laughs> so getting it, forcing me to get it organized on a script is a good thing. All right, Coach, last question for me. Um, is this going to be a BYOW for you? Because after the ceremony is over and done with and you get to relax and kick back and spend some time with your other inductees and your family and your friends, will you just accept whatever wine they're serving that day? Or is Dick Vermeil bringing his own wine to make sure you get the best of the best in your celebration? We're serving Vermeil wine at the, at the party that night. Nice. 140 people coming, so I've got to bring a lot of wine. There you go. That is great. Hey, I, I, I can't let you go before just kind of talking to you a little bit about the league now. And because um, your name comes up a lot and you mentioned earlier, hard work is such a big part of it. And 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 that's always been, you know, how people succeed in sports and in everything. It will never go back to the days when you were, you know, coaching the guys and doing the three days. Um, but now, as you know, it's gone to the point where they don't hit. The practice is 58 minutes. It's a one-hour practice and three and a half hours of work per week during the first week of training camp and four hours after that. Are we And very, very, very little hitting. Coach, are we losing something by the way the league has moved? And I think we all appreciate you want to protect the players, but are we losing something in terms of the quality of the game? Well, you know, I, I'm no expert on that. I, I will say this, you know, uh, because I think something and say something that doesn't mean what it ought to, it isn't, it's the only way. It's what my deep philosophy is, and it's really what so many of the other 28 coaches in the Hall of Fame believe. You know, there's no correlation between working less and getting better. And, and today, I, I think the coaches don't get as much time to spend time with individual players. You know, offensive and defensive schemes break down from more than just design. They break down sometimes fundamentally. You know, one offensive lineman can pass that incorrectly on one play and cause a sack. You know, and but the play was designed beautifully, and it was used at the proper time, called at the proper time. So we were allowed to uh, 
spend more time with the individual player in the development of his skills, even the Hall of Famer, even the players. We spent more. You know, I used the exact same training camp procedures that the Rams as I used in Philadelphia. The exact same thing. Modified them slightly, but not much. At the Chiefs, I modified them using the same third-year program that I used at the Rams. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I think sometimes you, you get so cautious in protecting your player from injury, you create more injuries because they're not prepared for contact. You know, like I say this often, it's not a cliche. Football is not a contact sport. It's a combat sport. You're in, con- you know, dancing can be a contact sport. Football, <laughs> you, you, know, right. you, off- you take that Kelsey, the offensive center, and line up against a 320-pound nose guard. That's more than contact. That's combat. And, and I, I think players have to have just enough of that to help develop the protective instincts it takes to play the game full speed and stay healthy. I can give you this example. And, I, again, I'm not saying anybody's wrong. But my three starting offensive linemen, Stan Walters, Guy Morris, and Jerry Sizemore, played for me for seven years. Between the three of them, they missed three games in seven years. Yeah, They missed seven. But because we were given more time to prepare them for the physicality of Sunday. But if Sunday is the only time, then the other thing, uh, the other thing is kids aren't as tough as they used to be. Kids aren't raised the same way I was raised or when you were raised. Mm-hmm. They're raised in a, in a different environment for the most part. And uh, the more you eliminate uh, the physicality of the game on the practice field, the less consistency you get on the tempo which it takes to play the game tough on Sunday. You know, there's no valve you turn on to get it emotionally and intense and mean and aggressive. Uh, you can create that in the development of proper uh, football practices. Now, I'm not saying it's brutal. I very seldom ever scrimmage. Very seldom. But uh, we worked in extremely intense environment for long periods of time. And we made them very tired. Very, very tired. Okay, But in getting very, very tired, you learn to recover quickly. You develop endurance. You, you develop Ability to recover to go back to work the next day hard, you know. So you, these are different things that I think uh, you know. A lot of young coaches are going to find out, and if, I hope whatever they do works for them. I'm pulling yeah. for the Eagles or any other team. I know coaches. You know, I'm pulling for them to be successful, and I love learning new ways to do things. But I, I don't think you can simplify the contact phase of the game. I just don't. Well. I will tell you, Coach, that there are thousands of listeners right now saying amen to all of that. Uh, I just want to say last thing is I was with I had lunch with Ray Didinger earlier in the week. He is headed out to see you yeah. inducted, and, and uh, he is very excited about it. So I just well, you know, the Ray Didingers of the world and, and these kind of people they're 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 advocates. They they make a difference in a guy getting in and not getting in. You know. Ray Dittinger doesn't hide his feelings in support for me. He talks to other people that have votes. Yep. You know, and, and that's all very positive influences in the thinking because everybody they present as a coach to go in the Hall of Fame deserves it. They deserve it. Well, but you Mike, deserve it. Yeah, Merrill, and... Reese, Merrill Reese gets on the phone and calls somebody that he knows well, maybe a New York vote or something like that. It makes a difference. It makes a you know, and you hope it doesn't totally distort the whole process but uh you know i'm very grateful to all the support i got from owners nfl head football coaches that are coaching today 
letters of recommendation, assistant coaches, tons of players, uh, guys already in the Hall of Fame. They supported me. So it's my job to uh, show the respect and admiration for these people and give them the credit. Well, you're going to get a lot of deserved credit next Saturday. Uh, we will all be watching and uh, saluting you. Coach Dick Vermeil. you are a Philadelphia institution, and uh, you getting into the Hall of Fame uh, lifts all of us a little bit. So congratulations on that. Well, thank you. I hope everybody feels a part of it. Oh, absolutely. Good luck. Thank Enjoy. You. Make the most of it. All right. Thank you very all much. All right. Thank you so much. Thank there you, you go. Coach. Jody, a legend. Iconic. I love that man. I just I love that. I wasn't even here when he coached, but uh, I just I love him. I love his attitude. I love everything about him. No, same exact here. He icon, legend, uh, whatever descriptive adjective you want to roll out there. Dick Vermeil is one of the most beloved Philadelphia sports figures in the last fifty years. And and I had to ask him about the practices now because <laughs> whenever it comes up like it's soft, it always goes you know on Vermeil's day. And he was he was good because he's not gonna he's not gonna criticize anybody he's not gonna say they're doing it wrong but he lets you know in his mind I loved it it's it's not a contact sport it's a combat sport and you need to prepare for combat and he did a nice job of weaving in the fact that he was still doing it with the Chiefs we yeah. don't have to go back to the Eagles we don't even have to go back to the Rams the Chiefs were the same type of practices that he had here in Philadelphia so it is a still relatively new thing in the NFL that continues in the same exact direction where less is more. We'll see if it works this year. I'm not sure. By the way, that man is 85 years old. Gosh, he's got so much energy. He does. Yeah, he's he's, he's a great one. All right, uh, 215-592-9494. We'll sneak a couple calls in here, and then we've got leading off where we will take calls if you want to talk about the Phillies in that one as well. Warren in Gwynedd Valley is with us. Hello, Warren. Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my call, especially uh, right after Dick Vermeil. I couldn't uh, resist but to call uh, uh, you and Jody Mack. Um, I mean, we all grew up with Dick Vermeil, and and we're very fortunate to have had him as uh, as a coach here in Philadelphia, I would say. Wouldn't you? Yes, sir. Very fortunate. And um, I, I wouldn't trade in being younger like a Jack Fritz, you know, having missed out on, you know, Dick Vermeil and Buddy Ryan and, and um, Harold Carmichael oh, wait, wait, and, wait, wait. Wait, and yeah, all the players that I we could had. Get, hold on. I could get 30 years back right now. <laughs> I'm, all due respect, Warren, and I loved all those names. Uh, I'll I'll take thirty years younger. You would take thirty years younger right now, right now. Hell yes. Okay, Jody. No, I think I'm with him. Really, I'm good. Yeah, I mean you I'm happy in my life, but if I could you... be in my thirties, oh baby, let's do it. No, but I'm just saying, look at what we have. You know, in the future of this this world, this country. Oh well, you're getting a little. You'd heavy, have to but live okay. through it if if you want yeah. those thirty back. You're going to have to live through whatever comes. You know, I in will, the future. Hey, if I'm in my 30s, I will solve the world's climate. Take the risk. I'll, I'll, I'll solve the problems. I will bring I will bring unity to this country, which is now so heavily divided. I don't know what that's what do you a, got about the Phillies? Good, uh, on, on the Phillies, now. yeah, it's a goal. I, this this team looked like you know, albeit the Pirates, they looked like a playoff team with you know the bounces going their way, the fielding going their way, the the clutch hitting when they needed it. The, the base running when they needed it. That's what this team needs to look like going forwards. 
And, um, you know, hopefully if, if they do make a, an addition before the deadline, that that would help push them, you know, at least into the playoffs, if, if not, you know, further extended beyond the first round. That's what we're all hoping for, right? Yeah, uh, that's that what we're hoping for. Get in and uh, then make a run, and they need to finish strong. Thanks, and Warren. I know it's something we keep pushing every single week, every single week. At some point, Harper's going to come back. And if he's the MVP-level player that he was before he got hurt, that's going to increase the Phillies' chances uh, succinctly. The success they have had without him is very pleasantly surprising to me. Um, I don't know exactly what their record is without him. I remember it was like 13-11, and 11, and that was about a week ago. So say they're something like 17-13 and 13 without him, give or take a game or two. That's pretty good. Yes. You know, that they that they have thus far, and again, he's not back tomorrow, that they have survived his injury as well as they have, considering, as you said, he was the MVP last year and he was playing to that level this year. Credit to the manager, credit to the pitching coach, credit to the players. Um, it's we, we have a season, Jody, and we're headed into August. Yeah, there's, there's both credit and some questions to be divided amongst everyone in the Philly organization, but with the fact that they've done, they've gotten into the position that as of right now they're in the playoffs and they haven't had Harper for as long as they haven't had him, that's pretty impressive. Absolutely. All right, let's take a little bit of a break. We'll come back to leading off. If you want to talk Phillies, we want to do it. 2 on 5 5 Oh, should we, uh, sh- uh, Kyle, should we do the uh, call of the day before this or should we do it at the end of leading off? Uh, we can call. do it right now if you'd like. Uh, Kyle Quinn, who is the caller of the day? Yeah, so I liked our caller Jeff. He was actually on his way back from the Phillies yes. game in Pittsburgh uh, last night. So we had some boots on the ground reporting and uh, <laughs> <laughs> gave us uh, gave us some good insight on the Phillies fans that traveled nice. very well this weekend. That was a good choice by you. Uh, yes. Jeff. His name was Jeff, you said? Correct, Jeff. Okay. Jeff, you win a $50 gift card from Shy Vintage Sports, where there is a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or at ShibeSports.com. With Jody McDonald, I'm Glenn Mack now. Leading off, coming up next on 94 WIP. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.